Every Nation Churches and our ministry, campus ministries are called Every Nation Campus. And we really do have this crazy notion that if you can change the campus, you can change the world. Because the future leaders of every aspect of our society are on, are on the college campuses across the world, and especially here in the U.S. Some stats say even the top, usually like the top 2% or so of students from around the world come here to study. The impact you can have, the strategicness, if you will, of the mission field of reaching the college campus is important. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't reach other areas, but we, it's one of the things that we value is reaching the next generation. Like last week, if you were here, when we brought all the students in from middle school, high school, elementary to pray over them, because it is, campus is not just college. But I have the privilege to specifically reach college campuses. And so this Sunday, we kind of gave that, this, this special day. The worship team was all cautions. We had the lunch for you guys. But here's what I want to tell the, the whole church. We're just going to stay in the series Wired. This is not some message just for college students. Um, we have been in a series on worship called Wired. And Pastor Rich has gone last couple weeks and preached some amazing sermons, if you guys not heard them. He's been fired up. Some of the best stuff I've heard come out of him, like, it's just amazing. Like, I was like, you, you Pastor Rich, you just, like, overnight, like, went to a whole nother level. Uh, it, I was like, he was, he was wired, I guess, um, which I can relate to. We were talking about how it's hard to sleep when you're preaching. The, the night before, I, I, if you ask my wife, I'm, I, or any of my roommates, my roommates literally tested this when I was in college. They would get in my bed with me, now this is where this is going, to see if I could still fall asleep in a minute, and I would. <laughs> They were like, man, they would put on music, lights to be like, can I fall? I was like, I ah, just fall asleep. It's just this amazing sleeping building. But on the nights that I preach, I can't sleep very well, which is really abnormal. I literally, head hits the pillow, I'm out. So last night, about three in the morning, I, I was still getting things about the message. I was going back tweaking. I was like, all right, I need to go to bed. Well, our six-week-old has come down with some sort of congestion in her, in her nose. So every time she'd fall asleep, after a while, she'd have a hard time breathing, she'd wake herself up. And so I don't, know, I don't really know how much sleep I got. So I was, t- I was telling Lindsay, I was like, well, it's the best way to preach when you're exhausted. Because uh, the Holy Spirit can use you, I think, better, because I'm going to get out of the way and just go with it. Um, but today, this is really a message for all. So the next part of the series is uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. Now, Pastor Rich, the last two weeks, let me recap just a bit. Um, he talked about the substance of our worship the first week, not the style. And the idea that it's not about music, it's about Jesus. Worship is not just singing songs, and it's not, and it's not even about our preferences or what we want to focus on. It's about worshiping the source of all things and what matters, and that's Christ. And in week two, he talked about, last week, he talked about focus, which is the idea that the fo- what you focus on will really determine your reality. And and I would really encourage you guys, go to our website and download those if you haven't heard them and listen back to some of those. This week, like I said, we're going to be going into uh, the um, self-fulfilling prophecies. And next week, Pastor Rich, I'm going to give you guys a little teaser, is going to be talking about the fear of foolishness. The takeaway is if you're not willing to look foolish, you're foolish. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I, it makes me realize as I was getting it, I was like, man, it's that idea, and I, don't, I know he's going to break it down, I'm sure, and just kill it, about even how David, when he danced before the Lord and said, you know, I don't care what anyone thinks of me, I'm worshiping my God. And so today we're going to talk, like I said, for the millionth time, we're going to talk about this next thing called self-fulfilling prophecies. Now, this, this series of Wired, the overall, um, the overarching truth, I guess is what I should say, for the whole series is that God has hardwired us from birth with the desire to spend time with him through worship. The act of worship is not a religious ritual, 
but a personal act of love that deepens our relationship with our Creator. So, when you hear the term self-fulfilling prophecy, or that you are what you worship, we've all heard phrases like, you are what you eat, right? Like, what you take in is literally what gives you energy to survive, and it becomes who you are, in a sense. Um, I was reading some studies, and I'm not going to break them all down, but there's a lot of cool, interesting studies out there about how much we are affected by what we take in, in terms of media and influences around us. Um, or how certain emotions, if we don't keep them in check, change us. Literally, if someone walks with extreme levels of stress for long periods of time, they will see a physical change and effect in their body. So if you're taking in that emotion all the time, it can affect you. Um, or what we idolize, what we want, can change who we are as we try to achieve that said thing. If what I want is a certain status of power or notoriety in my career or something, I might actually change my values or who I am as a char- my character to literally get to that next step. So they're saying that no, we have to realize that a lot of times we are affected by what we intake, what we think, what we do, what our focuses are. Now, I looked up the definition of self-fulfilling prophecy. In a secular sense, it's defined as any expectation, positive or negative, about a situation, event, or person that affects a person's behavior in such a way that it, ca- it causes that expectation to be fulfilled. Okay, so some examples. If you expect a person to be a certain way, we're likely to treat them in a way that draws out what we expected. Okay? Or if I think, I'll have a bad day today. You guys have been there. You wake up, I'm just going to have a bad day today. You know, or whatever. I'm on the struggle bus. Um, do we still say that one? I don't know. Um, such thinking, they're saying, may alter our actions, and the prediction might be fulfilled by our actions. So I'm thinking this way, so I'll probably start acting in line with it, and then it's going to become true. Now, to some extent, what we're talking about today can be that, but I think it's much, much deeper. And so what we're talking about is much bigger than if I'm expecting a bad outcome, I might act in a way that that will come about. I'm saying that what you focus on, what you revere, what you go after, what you worship, what you worship, let that sink in, will change you, and you will start to become like it, good or bad. Let's pray as we get started. God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, Lord. And I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching and that your words would be my words, Lord, and help us to have ears to hear what you're saying. And it wouldn't just be head knowledge, but become revelation we live by. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, here's a quote that was going to be on the screen. We were made to recognize greatness. You guys realize this. This is why we do celebrate amazing singers and actors and athletes that can do amazing things. I was watching some track and field competition yesterday and watched the U.S. guy, uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name's Eaton. He's the greatest athlete in the world, does the decathlon. Just doing amazing stuff. Setting world records, broke his own world record. And I was like, that's greatness. It should be celebrated. I'm, I'm made to recognize great things. But where do you guys think that comes from? There's a super overarching thing that we were made to recognize, and that's God. We were made to worship, and we will worship something. And, and if you think about it just in terms of singing songs, you may go, well, no. Nah. But when we, as we break this down, I think you're going to realize we worship more than, and worship looks more than what we just sometimes boil it down to is something so simple as just music. But it's something much bigger, as we've been talking about. If you've heard Pastor Rich's sermon, especially last week, you realize it's a lifestyle. 
It's who we are every day. It's not just Sunday mornings. So, but we have to remember this. The spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. Scripture is very clear on that. That my flesh, when it's not submitted to God, and, and as long as I've been walking with Jesus, I still, there's still parts of me that I notice that are still kind of off sometimes that God is still, I haven't given him full dominion over. And I'm, I'm wanting to get all of that out of me desperately. But it doesn't mean they're not at war with each other. And so it is possible. This is just kind of a freebie for the day before we get in the rest of it. We got to be realized it's possible to come in here, sing songs, and worship God, and still be worshiping something else with our daily lives, and really becoming like that and not what we're doing here. I don't know about you, that's sobering to me. And, and really, in Isaiah 29, 13, it, this, this verse really makes that clear. It says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Wow, right? That's <laughs> like so the whole room's like... I hope those kind of things make you think, like, wait, wait, why do I do this? Um, and hopefully by the time we get to the end, we're going to have a real encouraged and real clear out reason of why and what it means to worship God. I gained a lot as I was studying for this from a book by um, a professor named Dr. Greg Beal called We Become What We Worship. And uh, his thesis really of the whole book is what people revere, they resemble either for ruin or restoration. He argues that, and we're going to have this quote on the screen, we are worshipers, and that our worship exposes us and changes us. We were made to bear the image of another. We were made in the image of God, okay? And that we become the image of what we worship, either our creator or something else in creation. But don't, don't forget that God doesn't, he doesn't, he's not playing games on this. He doesn't want to share this, but he's not going to make you. We were made in his image, and we were made in, and we were supposed to be, bear the image of him, and he's the one we need to be worshiping with our lives, and therefore, becoming like him, not something else in creation. Now, I, this is something that I was, as I was reading and thinking through it, he, it that really affected me that he was talking about, is our worship and our affections right now are pointers or indicators to, our, to a future tra- trajectory. Sorry, excuse me. Our worship and our affections right now are pointers to a future trajectory. I hope as we walk away, we think about where am I living and where is that taking me? What is my trajectory? I, I, I th- that sobers me. I think about it. It makes you step back and go, what am I doing? With my, you know, is any part of my life taking me a place I don't want? Um, this isn't my notes, but I, may, I just I feel like God just reminded me. If you guys know, I'm not a math guy. Okay, um, I was kind of I'm just an okay student, so I was able to get grades in math. But the second we I took that test, I didn't remember it anymore. Um, <laughs> I had to follow the formula exactly. Those people that just get it, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Um, I have to do exactly what the teacher says to get this A. Um, but I know this: you put two parallel lines with each other, right? And you just set one off by a tiny degree at first for a long time. They still look parallel, don't they? But eventually, where does that trajectory take that, that line? Totally different place. So we have to be aware that sometimes it's not even obvious. It can be the subtle things. And that's why we have to open up our hearts and say, God, ex- really explore everything I am. Get in those deep places that I don't want to let you in. Because that's, that's kind of what I've been, that's what I was thinking about earlier, is that there's parts of my flesh that are still warring with my spirit, and a lot of those are little things in there that I don't even want to re- probably mess with. Like, oh, I'm good, you know? 
How about you guys been there? Like, ah, that's enough. Like, I've got all of God I really want right now. Psalm 115 is a clear example of this. If you guys, you'll see this on the screen, starting in verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold and the works of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make sounds in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Whew. Okay, so the and it goes on and further, but I'm going to stop there. The psalmist writes of turning of silver and gold into a god to be worshipped in verse 4. Okay, the psalmist looks at these statues and he sees a mouth, ear, eyes, ears, nose, hands, feet, but they don't speak, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't smell, they don't walk or anything, okay, right? And really what he's saying is they can't speak to us, they can't speak truth to us, they can't hear our prayers, right? They, they don't see our situation, savor our worship, they're worshiping something that is getting nothing out of it, um, receive our gifts, come to our aid or impart any life. And he gets to verse 8, and he says, what's the impact of this idol on those who worship them? Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Okay, so, it's, and here's the thing I want to make we clear of this. It's not that the idolaters that he's talking about lose their physical senses of speech sight. Like, they don't stop feeling or seeing or hearing because they worshiped it. And in terms of becoming like these idols, rather, it's a description of their souls, Lifeless and senseless like the idols they worship, they are spiritually dumb, blind, deaf, powerless, and breathless. Oppressed, almost feeling. They become what they worship, something that's not, is really dead. Okay, so you're saying right now when you hear me say this, but I don't worship metal, wood, or stone. Right? You guys know where I'm going with this probably. But no, maybe we're not bowing down to a statue in the terms of the traditional sense that the Bible talked about idols a lot of the time. But we may have any number of idols, and the impact of them is exactly the same on us. Dr. Bill, he, going back to his definition that he kinda, I kind of mentioned earlier, worship is what we revere, or that which is consuming our time and thoughts, elevated to a place of most importance in our lives. We become what we worship, right? This is the tagline of the whole day today. And if you hear nothing else when you walk away, think about this and hear that truth. We, we start to resemble that which we worship. Now, the following, I'm going to go through some things that I, I, was, I got from him and some other sources, and I started thinking through it, and I just put together some examples from different things I was reading. And it may sound harsh, and if you like, and then here's this particular, if you like the things I'm about to mention, you may be quick to dismiss it. Okay? However, I'll allow yourself to play out in your mind where the worship of these examples could, could lead you. What is that trajectory? Okay? All right, so if we worship relationships, we could become disappointed. And that's how we live. Insecure, unfulfilled, lose our morals. You know, give up some of ourselves to get that thing we wanted. Afraid of losing it, so we walk in fear. Loneliness, right? 
Or if we, here's some goofy ones I got from them, like supermodels. We worship supermodels. Okay, um, we could become vain or self-conceited or insecure and depressed. Where does that lead potentially? Okay, if you really think about when it's this is the object. Remember, it said things that we revere that becomes the most important in our life. The things that we're focusing on, our time, our thoughts. Actors or singers or bands, depending on who that is, okay, it could become, we could become foul-mouthed, immoral, sad, depressed, vain, insecure, confused on our morals. It, um, the dollar, we could become greedy, oppressive, fearful, materialistic, right? It's just up on my, academia, oh, I've got degrees. Titles, ac- degrees, titles, academia, that, all, that kind of stuff. We could become proud, arrogant condescending, conceited, or insecure again, because i got to prove who I am. Look at my degrees and my title. You know, that's what I'm worshiping. The list can go on. What if we worship sports or family, sex, media, iPad, Netflix, Facebook, right? I realized I, I was actually giving too much time to my iPad, so much so it was con- I was thinking about when I could play again on some games I was doing, like got to collect that money of that thing and build this thing. And um, it was just like, I, I was realizing, I was like, this taking me, I'm just, this is, I'm just being idle and wasting a lot of time. And I gave the iPad to Lindsay and said, just put it somewhere. I'm giving it up for an indefinite amount of time. I've noticed a significant change in my life. I didn't realize I was worshiping it, but in a sense, it was getting an elevated place of importance in my life. And it was changing me. That's really simple though, right? I mean, because it's really easy to look at a statue I might dial down to or a politician and be like, oh, you know, you're going to save all of us, um, whoever that is for you. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I was, you know, the thing is, what if we worship our disappointments and our failures? Where does that take us? It can be even something emotional. So let me give a side note here, though. Liking these, this stuff is different than worshiping it, Okay. None of these things mentioned are inherently evil. Okay, we agree with that? Um, and that's why it's not always obvious. There's things that you could say, I'm worshiping, that we'd be going, oh, that's clear. You should give that up. That's real bad. You know, that's going to take you to a trajectory that's jail or something, you know, um, or worse. But some things, it's much more subtle, and you could hide them for years, maybe an entire lifetime. But this stuff, anything, whatever we have in life, what worship really looks like with any of this, and this is where we're going to kind of start to go to, everything must, submit, must be submitted under the lordship of Jesus and to our relationship and worship of God. If I like sports or the Netflix or whatever it may be, if I keep it in proper relationship and focus with my relationship with Jesus, these things don't get the elevated place to become what I worship in my life above him. Now, this con- we're, we're kind of getting towards the end here. I'm going to just stick into Romans now. And this is, um, this is going to really cl- take us to the end of what we're going to talk about today. The contrast is made clear in the parallel connections between worship in Romans 1, specifically verse 18 through 32. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that right now. And worship in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Here with Paul's writing, we see a huge distinction between serving the world and serving God between misusing the body and offering the body as service, between living with a God-disapproved mind and living with a God-approved mind. And so specifically, I'm going to jump to Romans 1, verse 21 through 25. It's going to be on the screen. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies. And what he's saying is God's saying, okay, fine. If that's what you want, I'm not going to stop you. I can't force you. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, create, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Okay. Again, you go, well, I don't, I'm not serving, I'm not worshiping an animal, but everything I mentioned is something we created or is from the created that he made, not the, it's not the creator. And so Paul is really talking about the effects of pagan worship he saw as he, he was going around, especially there when he's talking about what he's seen in Rome, which you guys don't, you look at our society like, we're like, it's falling apart, it's the worst it's ever been. I was like, you go back to the world that the gospel came up in, in Roman culture, it was just as profane and nasty as it is now, if not worse in a lot of ways. I believe it was probably even worse because now God's presence has spread even further through the world through his people, the church, because that's his plan. And in, I, I don't, last time I checked, he's not given up, and so therefore we haven't lost. And so there's hope. But he's looking at the effects of pagan worship on people around them, and he's saying worship of an image is an act of God replacement. Idols are twisted versions of reality. We used to have this joke. I, I don't know if they still call them this, but you, I love Oakley sunglasses. Okay, I think they're made really well. They're amazing. I won't get into all my spill about why I think they're so good. But you know, like, if you go to New York, you'll see vendors on the street with fake Oakleys, and we would call them Folkleys. And those things break in like a month, or not even that, or you, first time you rub them, the UV protection, whatever it was there, they said, is gone, and you burn your eyes. You know? But they're, they're, they look like the real thing, but they're cheap knockoffs. So you kind of feel cool, but not really. You know, like, how oh, these are working. If you like cheap sunglasses, I'm sorry. Um, that's your call. Uh, <laughs> but idols are twisted versions of what's real or the reality of God. Whenever we worship something creative, we are acting unnaturally towards the creator. Because remember what I said earlier, we were created to recognize greatness. His greatness. Which can be seen in what he made. It is, that's why I said you can see it in that like, track guy I was watching yesterday. I saw God's greatness in his creation there. But we are not to worship that which he made, but him. This skewed worship of created thing takes them to a very bad place. And Paul goes on to describe it, such as unnatural sexual sins, envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossip, slander, inventors of evil. I think he was just getting creative there. They're just inventing evil. I don't even know what to call. Uh, and much more. Paul gets fired up. In chapter 1, he's pretty, you know, and, and you know, and, and I look at that and I go, okay, so what's he saying? But then he contrasted. Paul is saying, like it or not, we are being molded into one of two images, either into the distorted distortion of creation that the enemy is trying to lie and give to us, or like an idol, or into the image of the creator. I always say, and the college has probably heard me say this many times, the bash, the creation cannot understand itself apart from the creator. It does not make sense. It's like, and it's the really cheesy analogy I use, it's like someone who designed a toaster telling that inventor, no, I'm a bicycle. How well is that going to work? But they'll try really hard. And you wonder, why is it, am I struggling? Why does this not make sense? Why am I whatever? That's why I said, let your mind go to where does the worship of other things really take us? What is that trajectory? Because we need to be, we're going to be molded into something. And 
Sometimes that can be both at the same time if we're not careful, where we're partly giving God, so he's trying to mold us, but we're not giving all of it, so we're still being molded by other things, and we are just miserable. I've heard it said by a preacher, you have just enough Jesus to be miserable, but not enough to be free, because you're trying to be molded into both, and it doesn't work. Again, this goes back to, are we supposed to run away from the world and not be a part of it? No, Paul was in the midst of all this loving these people, having a relationship and doing life with them. What he's saying is that everything we're around must be put into that mold of Jesus. Where does this fit in my life? And I have to be willing to give it up if he's saying, this isn't in the mold I have for you. Because I want you to be what I revere. I want you to be what's elevated to the place of most importance in my life. Because it leads me to a trajectory that is amazing and brings freedom and life to the world and me and everyone else around me. This is where, like, this is the stuff that was coming to me in the middle of the night where I'm, like, exhausted and, you know, just like, okay, God, what, do you want, what are you wanting to tell our church today? Let's look at the other passages, and we'll break this down as we close. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, this is the other side of that, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to break these down. Verse 1, it says, By the mercies of God, Christians are to give themselves entirely to God because His saving grace. We, pro- we talked about this morning with all of you. And, and I'm going to go back to that in that song, All of You for All of Me. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Bodies here means Christians as the whole person. Your body, your soul, they belong to God. Because it's the idea of the gospel that Jesus... And when we came and gave everything for us, so when we understand the magnitude of my debt and the greatness of his provision, there is nothing he can ask of me that's too great because he literally snatched my life out of death and gave me everything. We can't even take credit of it. It says that his, it's his kindness that draws us to repentance, and we can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So it's fully by God and through God and because of him that we have what we have. So the fact that he wants us to worship him, is that too much to ask? Like, you died for me. Christianity is the only religion that talks about how God came to man to redeem them versus what we have to do to go to God. And it's not based on how good or bad we did that day, but because of his completed work in our lives. So we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice, sacrificial language, right? It indicates the new life of a Christian because they seem contradictory. Living sacrifice, they are alive from the dead since they enjoy a new life in Christ and won't be put to death. Because before that, if you know Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals to atone for the sins. But Jesus came as the permanent sacrifice and fulfilled all of this. So now, what happens? We are holy and acceptable to God because of Christ Jesus in him. So now your worship to him is holy and acceptable always because of the perfect, completed sacrifice of Jesus. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. I am in him, and so we are now alive out of the dead because of him. Paul is saying... Spiritual worship is where he talks about this is your spiritual worship. Paul is saying worship now includes offering one's whole life to God. This is what they were talking about last week with focus, meaning or even it's, it's just so much bigger than a Sunday morning activity. This is how we live and giving lordship to Jesus of all of who we are. That is our spiritual act. We're saying you're in charge of me. I'm a living sacrifice for you. That's my spiritual act of worship. Now, verse 2 do not conform to this world, but be transformed in your mind. Renewal of your mind by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
The present evil age still threatens those who belong to Christ. We talked about this if you were here in the spiritual warfare series we did it before. The enemy's still coming. He's still trying to mess with us. But, and so it's still coming at us, but we have to resist those pressures. And we have the complete power to in the completed work of Jesus. He can't touch you unless you let him. Don't let him try to mold you into something that's always, as Pastor Rich put, going to make your life worse and set you too low. Go to God and say, okay, what's going to make me thrive in the image that you had for me? Now, let me, this, this part, I'm still working it out. As I was pre- preparing these verses, I got into verse 1 and 2 and just started realizing these are really popular verses we say a lot. But there is so much more depth here than I've ever fathomed. The Bible is like onion in a sense. There's just layer after layer that you can get into, and you realize God is just infinite with his truths. And as I was looking through verse 2, I, I don't usually pull out Greek, but I'm going to talk about something today with that, okay? Um, master's degree, the money I spent, yeah. Um, <laughs> our lives change as our minds are made new, and then we can discern God's will. And so when it says, by testing you may discern, this comes from the Greek word dokimazo, okay? Which by definition, is finding, it's going to be on the screen, finding out the worth of something by putting it to the use or testing it in actual practice. Okay, so if you really want to know God's will, you must put to use or test in actual practice a life that is presented to God as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship, Remember? And put to use or test in actual practice a mind that has been allowed to be renewed by Jesus. You will find the worth of presenting yourself as a living sacrifice and the renewing of your mind is beyond measure. That, that testing, when you see as you walk that out, you're going to go, you know, the worth of this is beyond what I can imagine. And you'll be able to discern God's will and what... And, and, and it beca- because this is our spiritual worship. Now, this is because we become what we worship. It goes back to the same thing. We worship an amazing, merciful, holy, and loving God. Okay? Then in Christ, we become, because of his sacrifice, a redeemed and renewed people. Not just about me, it's about us as a people. We're redeemed. And, And now we're redeemed and renewed people who are living sacrifices that are wholly unacceptable to God because of Jesus. And we get to live in relationship with God and communicate with God freely. The creator of the universe talks to me daily. That's crazy. It's amazing. And when you talk to somebody and get to know them, what happens? You have to understand what they think and what they know and what their voice sounds like. And you start to know and discern what his will is, his good and acceptable and perfect and pleasing will. Because as you walk it out and you find the worth of what he's done in a living, sacrificed life, a renewed mind, you go, this is beyond what I can imagine. Because his thoughts become our thoughts and his desires become my desires, our desires, because we are being conformed to Christ's image, molded into the right thing. We're becoming like him as we worship and have relationship with him. Does that make sense? Jesus said eternal life is this, that they may know God. Not just that you live forever, but literally that you have relationship and life with the creator of all things. And that doesn't start later, it starts now. The people that have gone on, the saints that are in heaven, they may be happier than we are because they're getting to be in heaven, but they are no more assured of their salvation than you are right now if you're in Christ. They have no more assurance of relationship with God and eternal life than you do right now. That blows my mind. 
And so you sit back and you go, man, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to pattern my life around things that are lifeless, twisted versions of a reality, but a God who is limitless. And at the end of the day, you know, we realize the problem. Don't be conformed to the world. And, you know, it would be nice to just say, do better, don't do that. And the truth is we can't. But one did, and his name was Jesus. And he fixed this, and in him, now we can. And we can choose, and our thoughts and our desires become his. It's kind of like what John was talking about earlier, that he gives to you the desires of your heart. Because they become his desires. I was, I was thinking about it. John was the perfect verse. We had talked about, like, anyways, he's not in here. I'll tell him later. Um, so let me read Romans 12.1. One last time I said, literally, this is it. I close. <laughs> I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we will become like that which we worship. Let's pray as, I, as we close. God, I thank you for Jesus.